Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today, I'm joined by Sterling White. He's one of the guys that I've been following for a while on Bigger Pockets, and, and man, is doing some great stuff. He just released his book, Zero to 400 Units, uh, and we get into talking about you know what something he phrased as irrational optimism, getting outside of that comfort zone. And for him, it wasn't just for real estate, but it's also some things that he wanted to accomplish. Uh, thrill seeking, as he put it, thrill seeking uh, with a fear of heights, and how that relates to real estate investing. Also, we get into uh, talking about some things about him personally, formal world record attempt D, and what he did there, but. You're going to hear me say this a lot and I, uh, through this episode is that I slept in this morning uh, before we recorded this. I got up late. I'm in a rush. I'm trying to, and I'm actually going to be late for my W2 if I don't hurry up and get going here. But the main reason I was late this morning is I went outside of my diet. I've been talking to you guys about Everly Well and the food sensitivity test that I took. And, you know, I'm sitting at my desk yesterday afternoon. I'm hungry. I've got nothing I'm at the office. I've got nothing really to snack on except for the little care package they gave me on day one. And it's got some things in there that I know are going to taste good. But I also know that those things are on my food sensitivity test. And I discovered that through the Everly Well system. I went ahead and ate them anyway because I was hungry. Uh, and I didn't have anything else. I was lazy, didn't go look for anything else. And boy, did I pay for it last night. It caused me to sleep in this morning because uh, I was up all night battling with that. So uh, not only is it important to know if you had food sensitivity, but it's not, in the, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not just food allergy, but how your body processes certain foods and how your gastro interacts with that. It's been hugely transformational for me when I can stick to my diet. Uh, example this morning, uh, I'm struggling because last night I did not, or yesterday afternoon I did not. So check them out. They're on our affiliates link, w2capitalist.com slash affiliates. Uh, they have over 25 tests, but I engaged with them on the food sensitivity because I knew something was going on and I've got a little bit more of that backstory when you guys are ready to hear it. So, uh, anyway, let's get into it with Sterling White, amazing guy. And he's got a pretty exciting announcement about bigger pockets that we're going to get into uh, later in the show. All right, let's get to work. You are a W2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. How are you doing this morning? I'm all right. I will not more later than I want to be, but it's okay. <laughs> all right, all right. What market are you operating in? I'm in Pensacola, Florida. Okay, gotcha. Phenomenal weather, I'm assuming, right? Yes, especially right now. You know, uh, ask me that again in July and August, and I'll say, uh, maybe. <laughs> Awesome. It's, it's um july and august you know the humidity around here is just horrible and yeah i mean you walk out and you feel like you're taking a bath but right now 
uh, like yesterday, it felt like fall. It was like 70-something. The wind was blowing. Sun was out. It was, it was gorgeous. So, yeah. So, for the most part, uh, we're okay. spoiled. Um, then, you know, the hot weather comes. The tourists come. It just it transforms the city. So, um, but yeah. So, and you're in uh, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Right? Indianapolis, Indiana. Born and raised. And that's where you invest as well? Yes, and other uh, Midwestern markets such as Louisville, Kentucky, and markets within Ohio as well. Okay, cool. So um, let's dive into that, man. I, I know I want to be very respectful of your time, and I've got an early morning meeting I've got to get to as well. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I had a quick question for yep. you in terms of what the, the, your audience, would you say they're looking for more high level or more in the trenches in terms of uh, what would be most valuable? I think the most valuable is probably in the trenches as much as possible. Um, I know you do a lot of stuff on bigger pockets, which is where, where we met. Right. And, um, that site is phenomenal. And I think you've got a a pretty exciting announcement. We'll get into that later with them. And, Uh um, but we'll, uh, you know, I think the broad brush is on that site. And then what I like to do is try to dive into the weeds just as much as possible as we can. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, that's all I have. Yep. Awesome. So talk, so you live in India because one of the things, and, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of the people that I interview, it's because of my own uh, guilty pleasure, right? You're doing something <laughs> that I'm, I'm trying to tap into what you, what you've done and repeat it because I struggle with number one, I struggle with raising money, which is something you're phenomenal at. Mm-hmm. The second thing I do is, um, or I don't do is I don't invest long distance. I don't know why I, I, it's it's a mental thing for me for whatever reason, because Mm -hmm. we have, um, we have a duplex that's five minutes from our house. Bought it three years ago. Uh, we're under contract to sell it, uh, later this month. And, um, I've never been in it. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's wrong with that. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe I'm taking my baby steps to that. It's not on purpose. It's just like the numbers are so good. It just, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't require me. Maybe I'm growing as an investor. So anyway, <laughs> I want to talk about that. I want to talk. So let's first dive into some raising money questions. You know, a lot of the things I've run the group real estate investing for the W2 employee Facebook group. And as new members come on there, I ask them about, you know, what are your two biggest pain points when it comes to um, real estate investing? Oh, Jay, have we started the podcast? Yeah. Oh, okay. My, uh, I thought there was going to be an announcement or anything. Excuse me. Is I don't, I don't be- wait. No, no, no. I don't waste your time doing that. Okay. I'll grab some stuff and, or you can send me something, but I don't do the whole intro thing. Cause I feel like that's, yeah, I'll, I'll edit that later. Okay, gotcha. Well, uh, so we're officially in there. We're, we're in there, there, man. We're okay. recording. Yeah, I should have right, said that. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, when I wake up late, and I was only 30 minutes late, I wanted to snooze <laughs> in this morning. It just throws me off. My, and I know that when I when the alarm goes off and I hit snooze, the moment I hit snooze, it's like oh, I'm going yes, to regret this. And I do. I, you know, so I'm. I, I'm in my mind, I guess I'm trying to catch up on that 30 minutes by cutting some corners. <laughs> but that's my fault. Yeah, I'll, I'll do an intro for you. Um, I'll grab some stuff off of your site. And if there's anything specific you want me to highlight, just send it to me. And I'll do oh, it afterwards. It, 
if that's not the, the approach that you take, I just wanted to know that uh, if you do editing, for instance, that it would just be, okay, we would just, okay, start here. And oh, yeah. We would roll. Okay. No, I try to be as authentic and natural as possible. Uh, okay, I think, I, and what I've found out in the 20 so episodes I've recorded so mm-hmm. far is that that is usually where the best conversation comes from. So gotcha. I, I kind of treat it as, hey, you and I are sitting down and having a virtual cup of coffee. Got it. Okay. So, right, by the way, how do you, do you drink coffee? Uh, yes, uh, uh, cappuccino, which is coffee. I'm assuming. Yes. Every uh, night. Yes. I'm a, <laughs> yeah, if I if I could afford it every day, I would be a frappuccino frappuccino guy. I oh, like, all right. But, really uh, fancy. <laughs> well, it's it's not necessarily. I don't. Maybe it is fancy, but it's it's got enough sugar and um, creamer in it that it doesn't taste like coffee. So. But I'm I'm trying. I know it's not the healthiest option for me, so I'm trying to wean myself off of it. I, I have a goal of to to drink black coffee by the end of this year, and that's okay. my norm. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to hit it. <laughs> but and it's one of those things. So I I get up at four forty five most mornings. Not this morning. I did not uh start out that way or i tried to start out that way but i had to wean myself okay i'm gonna back it up 15 minutes go to bed 15 minutes earlier mm-hmm. and i finally got there so i'm trying to do my that same thing with it's to me it's like a workout right so i'm trying to do that same thing with coffee where i used to do uh three sugars and three creamers i'm now down to one sugar and two creamers okay. so i'm trying to slowly train my taste buds that just straight black coffee is a good thing you know mm. it's not going as easy as <laughs> well that's how it's it steps unless you're someone like me where i just completely have that personality to cut something off cold turkey i'm either uh well either all in one way or not the other way okay that's how i've always been all right so along those lines I, I was doing my research on you and it and something ran across my screen about a, you're a thrill seeker with a fear of heights. So we're yes. going to talk about that. But also <laughs> a former world record attemptee. Yes, correct. So how can you be a thrill seeker with a fear of heights? I, don't I, have, <laughs> I have always just done things to uh, put myself out of my comfort zone. And okay. that's, that's what goes into that and has allowed me to get to where I am now. Of course, I'm not perfect. I have plenty of failures that I experience, but I tend to go bigger. And I have this, what I call a irrational optimism. And through that is that his think, doing things that put me out of my comfort zone, allow me to make transitions from single family, for instance, to uh, larger multi or mid-sized multifamily deals without even considering the risks or uh, the obstacles that are experienced with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the thing, one of the, I wish I would have came up with this, but I did not. So, but I'm, I'm saying it so much, maybe I'm going to get credit for it later. <laughs> but progress is greater than perfection, right? Exactly. And that's exactly what you just explained. And, and I've uh, recently taken on a new job and a new role. And I, I uh, met with my team yesterday and told them, said, look, I'm going to challenge you with things that are going to make you uncomfortable, right? As much as HR is going to allow. Okay. And, <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> yeah. To an extent. But that's where growth happens. And I think you just nailed it on the head. I've never heard the phrase, um, irrational optimism. 
Uh, yes. I'm try to write that down. I, I, I love it. I, I think that's awesome. So um, tell me about the fur. fur. Look at that. I'm going to take a sip of coffee real quick. Okay, there we go. Me, yeah. Tell me about the former world record attempt. I think you're the first person that I have interviewed, or at least obviously interviewed, but uh, no, that's attempted a former world record. So tell me about that. Yeah, so when I made this whole transition to, I had this whole spirituality moment that this question came to me that said, Sterling, is this what you want to do with your life? So that's when I went on a completely pa a complete different path in life. And this was my early 20s when I had that experience. And so one of the, shortly after I cut off all my friends and started this new journey, uh, which was really self-improvement and becoming the best version of myself. And through the course of that, I came across this book, which many of you may be familiar with, which is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Yep. And he talks about uh, setting goals or doing things that are out of your comfort zone and really stretch yourself. So I had a, a friend of a friend who passed from cancer. So I decided to do something about that. And that's when I uh, uh, set myself up, contacted Guinness World Records. Uh, get, get, Guinness Book of World Records, some, some, something along those lines for their title. And I uh, signed up for the world's fastest fireman carry. Uh, yeah, the world's fastest fireman carry, where I carry someone of equivalent size and I have to beat a certain time and I have to run a mile with them on my back. Okay, so a couple of things on package there. For me personally, I struggle with running a mile. Yes. <laughs> um, secondly, so are you a fireman now? No, I am not. Were you before? No, no, never. Okay. So my dad is a retired fireman. And as a matter of fact, so the very first show that I did was uh, with a couple of firemen. I have a great respect for those guys and what they do. So I was curious on, so were you in the full gear or was it just, it's just called a fireman carry because you're got somebody over your shoulder or maybe it's a dummy. Is it a dummy? Uh, it was a, a live human being. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> so, yes. So, with that is, uh, yeah, and I run around the track with them for a mile. So, the person I was training with for just over a year to year and a half, I would say over a year and a half, actually bailed a month prior to the actual event itself. <clears throat> you mean the person and, who just has to ride on your shoulders? Yes, much? exactly. Well, there there is some intensity in terms of what they have to do. They actually have to uh configure themselves and different okay, positions yeah. as i'm running so there was some training involved but still they're just uh there's just, not uh, yeah. as much effort as you're putting into it right yes oh, exactly wow okay and so i managed to get i i that was the obstacle in itself and i could have just taken that and said hey uh this is obviously not a good fit for me uh, i should train even more uh or just not even uh go through it go with it uh, but I ended up getting someone else in there from my old university that I went to school with, uh, which college in itself, I went to uh, on a four-year degree. I went there for five years, but ended up dropping out to focus full-time on real estate. But <clears throat> that's a whole nother story in itself. Yeah. So the day of the event, all newscaster came, all newscaster came out. There was a big audience, friends, family all that good stuff. And I absolutely failed on a large scale. I didn't even make it halfway through. I don't hide it, man. <laughs> um, yes. But that was another breakthrough for yeah. me. 
because I realized that failure is not as bad as it is, especially on the scale of that magnitude. Yeah. So that was a huge unlock for me. Uh, are you familiar with David Goggins? Yes, I am. Yes. Okay. So I, I uh, listened to his book. I highly recommend listening to, um, and I, for some reason, I think it's because I hadn't had enough coffee. The name of the book has not has slipped my mind. Uh, don't, can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. Yes. I, I was trying to think there's going to be a cuss word in the title because. No, he does <laughs> drop a lot of bombs. He does. He does. But the, um, it, that reminds me of when he, in the book where he talks about he's going for the world record of yes. pull-ups. Mm-hmm. And he fails twice, I think, uh, doing that. And you're right; it's it's it, the fear of failing uh, confides so many people. I think confides the right word I'm supposed to say there, but uh, it just restricts so many people. So stepping out of that comfort zone and you know pushing yourself is one of those things that I just I've learned to do. What I found out is if I dread doing something, it usually means I'm afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And if I do it first thing in the morning, and I'm specifically talking about the W2 world now, is if I do that first th- thing in the morning, the rest of my day, I don't worry about it. I don't stress about it. I, it's just, it makes my day a whole lot better. So uh, it's funny that that you correlate that. You said something earlier about thrill-seeking to going from single family. I've never thought about going from single family to multifamily as thrill-seeking. But I get it. I, I, I do get it. I, I, I understand it. Um, so real quick on that, on the world record attempt, are you going to try that again? Or is that one and done? Uh, that is more of a one and done. I okay. experienced some quite the, the, the gruel on my body as far as my back that may, I may have for the duration of life. But sure. we'll see. It, it's still in the, the pocket back there, but not as likely. Is it one of those things you're just like, man, I really want that. I'm going to get it one day? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all to be transparent. <laughs> so, how, All right. One, one more question. How big was the person you were carrying? Uh, what they weigh 150 160 yeah at that time i i was about a a buck 58 so 158 159 oh it has to be your equivalent weight yes before the actual attempt we had the step on the scale and we had the uh, official person that was there from guinness look at the scale just to ensure that we were both of equivalent weight they could have been of lower weight too but as long as they weren't no, no, no. They could have not of lower weight, but they could have exceeded my weight. Yeah. So I'm at 230 this yeah, morning. Yeah, that would not have worked for us. To- <laughs> I could. I mean, honestly, I, I can't run a mile, so there's no way that I would. I could carry somebody of 230 uh, a mile. I. Yeah. No. I'm not even going to try to justify that. All right. So let's dive into this real estate stuff. So thrill seeking, you did make uh, the move from single family to multifamily. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me about that. Tell me about what are some of the things, because a lot of, and we've talked about this a little bit already without labeling it, but mindset is one of the biggest things that, you know, I think keep people in that analysis paralysis world, but it, there is a fine line between addressing that fear, but there's also addressing that fear with a mindful of knowledge and not just doing something stupid say oh i'm afraid of it so let me go punch in the face you know it's not gonna i agree yeah sometimes you know you got to be careful about what you're going to punch but if you do it with the knowledge that bigger pockets and and uh you know a lot of your content 
does. It makes that fear not so much. Um, uh, well, it's an educated guess. Yes, right? exactly. And, and it mitigates your risk. Yes, but I think you know what I mean. So how did, so let's talk about that. When you started, you started in a single family space and then you went to multifamily. What was that like a mindset shift for you to, to be able to do that? Uh, and, and this goes back into my irrational optimism. I, I was actually speaking to someone about this the other day and they was, they were talking about, was there any obstacles or anything that you uh, was holding you back? And I would say, no, not necessarily. When I made the decision to make the transition from single family to multifamily, I thought about how I could do that versus, okay, I need to uh, tap into more investors. I need to have a, a, a more, a row, more uh, employees with our property management team. I just thought about how, and I took the steps. So my partner and I, at that time, we made the shift was 150 or so single families that we owned. And then we purchased a 46 unit apartment. And through that was, uh, we did the driving for dollars approach, uh, found a, a property that needed work, called the owner up directly. And then they were motivated enough to where we only had to put down 200 and then the remaining, uh, so total purchase price for 46 units, very cheap, 900,000. We put down 200,000 and then we raised an additional 685 to take care of cap capital improvements. But it was always just how do we get this deal done versus, okay, we don't have the money. Okay. How are we going to go from single family to multifamily? It was just, let's, we have our end goal. Let's reverse engineer how to get to that. Love it. Uh, so those folks that you raise money from, and we'll get into Holdfolio uh, contact information, which is a crowdfunding platform that you've created, right? Am I saying mm -hmm. that correctly? Cool. Um, but how did you go? Well, my partner and I. Okay, your partner. Yes. Very good. credits <laughs> <laughs> too. I appreciate that. So, all right, so you have these 150 unit single family home or 150 single family homes you're making the switch to multifamily now did y'all raise money on any of the single family homes or was this just you and your partner uh -oh. yeah yeah so we did raise money for those uh single family homes and we did what similar in a way to the burr method so we had friends and family capital that we would utilize as private money essentially so we would buy the houses this is uh indianapolis indiana so very affordable so we would buy a house for, let's say, $35,000, uh, put about fifteen dollars into it, and then rent it between about uh, $750 to $850. And then through that, we would take 10 of those, bundle them up into a portfolio, and then cash ourselves out with uh, other investors into the picture. And then they would get a return on their uh, investment through the cash flow that that portfolio is kicking off. Nice. And then we would just go do that, keep doing that. And then that's how we yeah. scaled our portfolio. And so then you made a shift to the multifamily. So the 46 unit was your first property to do that with. Uh, how many transactions, how long ago was that? How many transactions have you gotten into since then? That was uh, about a year and a half ago. And yeah. since then we bought a, another 50 unit and then two 80 units uh, after that as well. Okay, awesome. You guys, uh, <laughs> I'm about to, I was going, I was going to try to be clever and make fun of you, but, uh, that's, that's incredible. That's all direct awesome. to owner is I, what I want to mention. Cause okay. right now our, we've seen in the marketplace, it's very competitive. 
So, <laughs> what is going on in the market is what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So what we what we've experienced is we take uh, Destiny into our own into our own hands, and our objective is to beat the brokers to the punch in yeah. terms of uh, getting the the owner who's not interested or even considered selling to then be interested in selling and then sell it to us uh, direct. That way we can get a discount and it doesn't get listed and goes absolutely bonkers. So what are some of those tips that you can provide for us? Cause I struggle with that. I, I've never really done a, um, a campaign. I've, I say I've never really done what I've, I've started when I first started investing in real estate, not knowing where I wanted to go. I did some yellow letters. I got some responses. And, you know, I even, I, I knew I was evaluating properties correctly when I had a guy talk to me like he was David Goggins, you know, and, really? and yeah, he told me and my calculator where to go, but, um, Hey, it's what worked for me. Right. And he got personally offended. Of course, it was about half price of what he was asking for it. And, um, it's a funny thing. Cause about two years after that conversation happened his property was still in the market so maybe oh, it wasn't far off. <laughs> uh, but so what are some of the things that you've picked up and, and to be able to initiate these potential sellers because they're not even sellers yet right and and i imagine a lot of these properties are uh in some sort of disarray if y'all are driving for dollars you're finding them and saying okay whoever has that doesn't really care about it you know, and so how do you, how do you break that ground and convert somebody over if you, because I feel like a lot of people who send out yellow letters, again, I, I'm not the expert in that by no means. I feel like they stumble upon, um, you know, what's, what's the, uh, I was going to reference a quote my dad says, um, and now I forgot it. That's horrible. <laughs> oh, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Is what he oh, said. gotcha. Just okay. meaning that, you know, you're, if you it's do something luck. long enough, you're, you're going to get lucky and find one. And I feel like a lot of people who do, do the yellow letter campaigns, um, do find these deals because they're consistent and they, they just hit them at the right time. Exactly. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> Maybe I get told no once or twice. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not convincing it. You know, he's, he's not going to sell or she's not going to sell. So what are some of the things that you found? that because you brought up converting those people who maybe aren't ready to sell yet or you know the numbers that y'all offer just don't work how do y'all finally mutually come to an agreement so the overarching principle that i use just not only in business but in life is you're either doing the selling or you're being sold and that even translates to when you're buying a property so it's a it's a whole sales process so you reach out to the individual they may not be interested or you provide the offer to them uh, that it doesn't necessarily uh, work for, for them on that side, uh, then uh, this is when the whole follow-ups uh, come into play, uh, meaning that, or you may have had difficulty getting in touch with them because uh, normally it takes about six to eight attempts just to get in touch. Yeah. Our primary uh, focus is the cold call and we also implement a direct mail as well. Okay. And so the types of things that we'll send through the direct mail, we get very creative. Since we're targeting apartments that are 75 to uh, 200 units, our costs can go a little bit higher and we're very sniper approach. Uh, so through that, well, sniper approach when it comes to targeting uh, these owners. So through that, we'll send a Rubik's Cube in the mail. The Rubik's Cube will say, 
a small note, hey, let's figure this out. Or <laughs> we'll send a shoe that says, uh, hey, looking to get my foot in the door. So those, <laughs> those, so those are the types of things to, to essentially stay top of mind to what you were alluding to earlier uh, with the direct mail campaign is uh, the right timing. So once that person is ready to sell, because a lot of the properties that we do target need work or they're just completely mismanaging running it to the ground. So it's not a matter of, uh, it's a matter of when they will sell. So that's why we constantly, uh, consistently follow up. Yeah. I had a note and I, I don't remember why I wrote this down because we were supposed to talk uh, Easter weekend and I failed to um, communicate this to my social director, aka my wife. And she said, nope, we have some Easter egg hunts we're going to. You're not doing that. And you right graciously uh, rescheduled and I appreciate that. So thank you. <laughs> but no, thank I you. wrote down miniature Rubik's Cube and I was going to ask you about what that meant. Because <laughs> I made forgot what it was, but you just un unveiled that. Uh, I think that's awesome. That's creative. So miniature Rubik's cubes, uh, some shoes to get your foot in the door, or Tylenol that says, "Hey, let me take this headache <laughs> off your hand." <laughs> that that one would get me. That one would get me. That's that's yeah, awesome. It's, it's, it's exactly getting that response because the yeah. what I've learned. I I love uh not love great content. Well. Grant Cardone is someone who I've pulled a lot of, uh, I, I know he's extravagant and he does all these over the top things, but if you're able to cut through the noise and really get to the meat of the content he provides, yeah, that is the biggest thing I've learned is just staying top of mind and the follow-up is very crucial. So that's why just doing those types of things, because when, let's say you didn't do the, the, the calls to follow up or sending the direct mail pieces that they could easily go to someone else and then you just lost out of the deal simply because you weren't the first that came to mind when they did uh, make the transition to being a seller. Yeah, and I'm I'm a big fan of Cardone. I'm also a big fan of taking breaks from Cardone. <laughs> Fair enough. He's he. Uh, there's not enough Red Bull in the world for me to actually. I I couldn't work for him. I could not <laughs> handle the intensity that he brings every day. I mean, I just. I'm not wired like that. So, uh, but I, I love his message and he's been motivating. I've, I've um, attended his uh, Cardone University. I think we're actually an affiliate of his, but I don't do a whole lot with it. But anyway, um, <laughs> see, sometimes Sterling, I'll go on these rants that lead to nowhere. <laughs> and, well, and that was people, a quick, small rant. <laughs> and people And people get the look on their face like you did, like, what are you talking about? So I appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but hey, so, all right. So now you find the property, you get one under contract. How do you, you know, let's go back to your first, uh, when you made the shift from single family to multifamily, because a lot of people think that it's, it's different, right? It's a different asset. Um, in my experience is not, um, you know, the, the apartment complex, as long as you're, uh, there's not a whole, there's not as much difference as most people think, but did you run into the, some of those conversations when you were going to your investor pool or your investor army, uh, and saying, look, here's a deal we've got. Cause that first one is crucial. Oh yeah. You know? and, and once you get past that first one, the conversations with your investors, the conversations with banks, it all changes. They're like, okay, this guy's serious. You know, and, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, so let's go back to that first deal and think about 
when you started having those initial conversations with your investors, how did that go? What were some of the questions that you frequently were asked and did you have, or, you know, maybe, you know, your, your, um, your investors so well, everybody was like, look, yeah, Sterling, whatever you're doing, I'm on, I'm on board. Just, yeah, let's just make sure it's legal and legit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would say the the biggest learning lesson is uh, priming your investors. So whatever you're doing, just keep them in the, the know-how, in the loop. So we've always gotten soft commitments, meaning that uh, most of the investors that we did have, I would say about 20 to 30% wanted to stay on the single family side. So that was fine versus the others. They liked what we were doing with our model. Uh, and when we made that transition to multifamily, they were on board. So what we did was we we got some commitments and said, "Hey, if a deal felt if a deal uh, meets these specific parameters, would you be interested in investing? Could you place a reservation on our site for what amount you nice. would want to move forward with?" And then that way, once we did have a, have it available, we had all these reservations. the The people weren't actually funding it but that allowed us to see their level of seriousness. And through that is you'll still have a, a dropout rate as well. So it's always yeah. best to get more than what you uh, actually plan on raising. And yeah, so on that side, we didn't have too many difficulties when we made the shift, but this all goes back to having a, a larger, uh, uh, was it pipeline of investors, yeah. same thing with deals, but investors as well. Uh, to where if it doesn't work with uh, some individuals, then you have some other ones that you have in the, in the, the wings as well. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying on oversubscribe, right. To whatever you're offering uh, because people will back out at the last minute and uh, they'll tell you, yes, yes, yes. Up until you're like, okay, look, I need you to make a deposit tomorrow. I'm like, I can't do it. Exactly. I like the guy, yes. I like the person that you were going to carry on your back. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. Uh, for the farming care, it, it, things happen, situations change. Um, it's good to have oversubscription. And I've heard too, uh, is that if you have, if everybody does come to the closing table, and you're like, oh wait, we really oversubscribed, it's better to ask people to take a lesser percentage than it is to tell somebody to back out of the deal. Do you agree with that? Or, or do you try to hustle and hurry up and find another deal so nobody's left out? Uh, we've had it to where we've lowered someone who's, let's say, investing a hundred thousand. Hey, uh, you're going to have to end up doing sixty. I believe that does well from a psychology standpoint too. Yeah. That says, uh, "Hey, we actually oversubscribe from this," and then from that, we, we don't necessarily scramble to put them in something else because what we've just experienced is going back to the tightness of the market. Is our deal flow is good, but we're getting on a good year, I would say on the multifamily side, three to four deals. Okay. And the site you talk about, is it Holdfolio? Is that yeah. your site? Holdfolio.com. Okay. And people who go there to register, I know once you get into multifamily, it gets into uh, potential. potential. <laughs> I'll do this thing too, where I'll make up words. Uh, anyway. All words are all made up anyway. Well, that's true. That's true. There's a lot of them not recognized by the English, English language. There you go. I made another one. English. It's still early. It's, yeah, but I'm usually better than this. 
again, you got, you know, when I get off my routine, I, I got up 30 minutes late. I'm trying to catch up, even though there's no race. Uh, anyway, um, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> Guys, where are we going? No, so we were talking about uh, your site, people coming to register there to work with you. You know, you get into multifamily, you get into some SEC potential regulations if it's outside of friends and family or if it's inside of friends and family. How do you, does somebody have to be an accredited investor to work with you? And if not, uh, how do you vet those people out so they are at least knowledgeable or because uh, what we all want to avoid is some sort of lawsuit. And the best way to avoid that is to just give the investors a return, right? Like you uh, laid out in your, your prospectus. And if, uh, if that doesn't happen, though, you know, you also you want to make sure everything's legitimate and you're doing everything by the book uh, to help protect you and your investors. Uh, but as far as working with folks, do you have to be an accredited uh, person to work with portfolio? Yeah, so we accept uh, uh, anyone can invest with us, whether they're accredited or non-accredited. And how we have it structured is uh, it is through Reg D. My partner does uh, coordinating with our uh, attorney who runs with that. So I'm not into the know-how. But with us is we have to establish a uh, relationship with each and every one of uh, the individuals or investors that partner alongside us. Okay. And I like how you guys outsource the legal stuff to an actual attorney. That's great. <laughs> oh, yes. We do not do that in-house ourselves. Not at all. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing what uh, some people will try to get away, away with. That's uh, something you do not want to try and get away with. Yeah. And, and, you know, what we try, what we, you know, we have our uh, attorney draft um, everything up, but we advise our investors, hey, have your attorney you know, check this out, make sure it's good for them. So, um, all right. So you have a book from zero to 400 units. Yes. Let me go ahead and grab that. Yes. And, but is it still 400 units? There it is. But is it still 400 units or is it? Uh, I would say just under 500 because we uh, closed on a 136 unit that was in Dallas, Fort Worth. So are you going to, are you going to do a new, a new book from a revision units to whatever the next one is? Uh, possibly. Is Who it, knows? I mean, that could be the first in the series, right? Jay, you've got a book into, you've got a book in you. I know you have one. Yeah. How to create words that nobody else understands. Well, there we go. And build wealth through real estate. Yeah. <laughs> but so from zero to 400, man, that, that is awesome. That is phenomenal to see. And, and, you know, a lot of people will think, because you've been investing for, for how long? Forgive me. Uh, for doing that. 10 years. Hey, everybody. I want to take a break from the action real quick and point you over to Passive Real Estate Investor Academy. It's one of our affiliate sponsors for the show. Um, Annie Dickerson, who leads up the academy there. I've met her. I met her at a conference last year. I uh, wanted to meet her because she is actually on uh, one of our posts, uh, 12 sites every financial freedom seeker should know about. Uh, the things that they're doing at Good Ag Investments, uh, I'm just amazed by. Uh, she had a very successful W-2 career, but also, uh, I think it was last year, uh, 2018, she was able to pull her parachute cord and become a corporate dropout and focus on real estate investing full time. So, and by that, I mean her and her partner are now syndicating deals through their uh, corporation, Good Egg, Good Egg Investments. And what I'm most impressed by these, these ladies, what they're doing is they closed, I think it was around 3,500 doors last year. Um, and now they're teaching, they've launched this course, Passive Real Estate Investor Academy. 
uh, to teach people what it really means to become a passive real estate investor and working with syndicators, whether you work with them or not, helps you understand what a passive real estate investor is all about. So check them out. We have a specific link for you. You can find it at helmsrei.com slash P-R-E-I-A. All right, let's get back to it. 10 years? Uh, I would say investing about five, five to six years, but in the industry, a, a decade. Yeah. So I, uh, I interviewed uh, Joe Fairless last week and come to find out he and I started investing about the same time. So we're all about the five, six year mark. And the, the one thing that I had on Joe is that I could beat him in the 40 yard dash because we got to talk about it in our heyday. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I was, cause we both played a little college football. And so that had to lead me down to, okay, I know let's, I've got a pretty good 40 time. So I was like, okay, so you've built this 500 or almost $600 million portfolio, but I can beat you in the 40 yard dash. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah. Well so, played. uh, you know, it was, uh, like, I don't know. It was what, how do I measure up to this guy? I don't, <laughs> you know, same with you, man. I, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I'm at 51 unit, 51 units right now. Uh, hopefully to get to 400 very soon. Um, definitely more than that. Well, depending on where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so my why is, and I've, I've stolen parts of this from different people, but I want to build uh, 300 years of generational wealth for my family. Uh, not for them to be spoiled little brats, but for, for them to be able to continue a philanthropist lifestyle. And that's, so that's my goal. That's why I get up every morning, usually a lot earlier than this <laughs> I knew you were going to go. There. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, well, that's just part of me beating myself up, right? Is that um, I joke about it, but when I hit the snooze button the second time, I was like, okay, I got to get up. If we didn't have this interview this morning, I might still be laying in bed. <laughs> so thank you for doing it early this morning. Um, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, you're in Indianapolis, but what other markets are you, or is it within a certain hour drive of Indianapolis or you, do you do the whole long distance investing piece? Yeah, I would say within a two to two and a half hour drive. So we okay. bought an 80 unit that was in uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and that's about an hour 45. And we own some single families in uh, Dayton, Ohio, which we're completely exiting out of that market. Okay. And we've since we're, we're also uh, have some thoughts about entering into St. Louis as well as Kansas City. But those are about five to five and a hour, five and a half. Five and a half hour drive. So it's contagious, be... man. I'm sorry I did that to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> when you said getting out of that market, did you mean the um, geographically or the single family market? The single family. So okay. we'll still purchase a multifamily there, but out of the single family side in there because we own about uh, 30 or so, which we're trying to run that here in Indianapolis. And we do have some boots in the ground there but it's just worthwhile to hit the economies of scale with a larger apartment. Yeah. And now with your focus on multifamily, what is, has your exit strategy changed uh, for those single families? Mm, I, not necessarily. We're still okay. uh, not a fire sale completely with those, especially the ones that are in Indianapolis they're, they're They still cash flow well. So with that is uh, we, our initial strategy was to buy and hold for the long term on those, so to get a refinance. But now, <clears throat> at the end of that term, 
we're just going to completely uh, sell the portfolios entirely. Does that having that portfolio help your reputation and rapport with banks when you're going to them and talking about because they see that as a potential asset or um, collateral, maybe? A little bit. Yeah. It did, but they wanted to still see more track record on the multifamily, our property managements, and uh, we we actually had some struggles with that when we decided to to do some agency debts, meaning Fannie and Freddie uh, yeah. on a, a couple of our deals didn't work out, uh, so we ended up shifting to the regional banks okay. to where there was more transparency in terms of the decision makers we were actually communicating with. Uh, but now that we established to actually close on deals through lenders, now we have that credibility to now go through uh, Fannie and Freddie to get those better financing terms. Nice. Um, two more questions for you and I'll wrap up. So are you, well, first one, we talk about the market being a little crazy. And one of the things I've kind of given up on trying to find something here because, oh. of, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, We've got a few things going on. We've got kid number three about to arrive in less than three weeks. Congrats. Uh, thank you. I think, no, it's going to be a great, <laughs> it's gonna be a great thing. It's going to be adjustment period for sure. Uh, I just started a new job last week. So there's been a lot of stuff going on uh, in the house, in the Helms household. So with that being said, I've, and plus we're, li we're in a, I say a live in flip, but I'm using it loosely and having kids already, things just go slower. <laughs> we're trying to do it ourselves. Uh, you know, but we, um, I try to see where the market's going. And when, when I, when the market doesn't make sense to me, I just don't do anything. And I know there's a lot of people that get speculative. I, I mean, I have my investing criteria. I have things. Okay. If this box checks off, this box checks off, let's move forward. I haven't been checking off boxes for probably eight or nine months. I've been looking wow. at deals but nothing that comes across as saying, okay, this hits my investing criteria. As a matter of fact, I got so frustrated with this that I was like, there's no way that property is going to sell for that price and dead gum. It, it wouldn't be on the market for three days. So I called my realtor, that duplex we were talking about earlier. I said, Hey, let's put this duplex on the market. Here's what I want for it. I don't care what the comps say. Here's what I want for it. <laughs> so we're under contract for over asking. Wow. So, I, you know, I don't know when the market doesn't make sense. I don't buy. Um, and apparently I shouldn't sell too, because I probably should get more, but, uh, you know, I just, how are you finding deals that still meet your criteria and know we're going to pay a return to your investors? Cause it's I struggle with that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely we're having to look through more uh, properties. So we're looking at about 175, uh, in order to, uh, and we'll, and we'll submit about 10, LO, 10 LOIs on those properties. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll filter it down and end up getting close. So we'll submit a letter of intent. So, uh, right before you go to contract, you'll su submit a letter of intent. Yeah. And through that is that we'll, we'll normally snag one out of those, uh, 10 LOIs that we submit. So we're having to turn over a lot of rocks to find, uh, whatever that, that quote is, but we're having to look. We're, we're having to source through a lot of inventory to find deals that work. And that, yeah. that direct to owner approach has really allowed us to be successful in terms of finding uh, properties that do yeah. meet our uh, criteria. 
And do you find it, and I imagine if you're going direct to owner, you're not feeling, let me rephrase that. <clears throat> Properties that end up on the MLS tend to go really quick. Oh, yes. So it, I, find, I imagine that if you're going direct to owner, you don't feel the pressure as much as a, a property that's out there for the public to, to seek. Because I'm telling you, man, I don't know what the market's doing. <laughs> I, I'm just like, what? <laughs> You know, I have my ideas of where things are going, and that's kind of why I pulled back a little bit too. But what's your thoughts on where the market's headed with everything that's happening with the economy and the job market and everything like that? What's uh, what's your th what is your crystal ball showing you this morning? Oh gosh, uh, a, a correction is bound to happen. I don't believe it's going to be as bad as two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I wasn't investing during that time. I was just on the construction, so. I wasn't, I wasn't fully either. aware. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't fully aware of what was going around, uh, go going on around in the space. Yeah. Uh, from research uh, of what happened during those times, I think it's just going to be a, a small correction, but it's not going to be uh, dismantling to how how it was formerly to individuals. But I still believe that people who have dumped their cash into all of these, uh, let's say, fix and flips that. They, they may still end up getting caught in terms yeah. of, but I don't think the bottom's going to completely fall out. But that's why I like Midwestern markets because it's very slow and steady, not huge swings in appreciation. Uh, so we're not going to see a, a huge dip on that side. And plus, we're investing more for cash flow. So should be able to weather the storm. Nice, nice. Um, all right. So one last thing. you Are you still involved with Big Brothers, Big Sisters? Uh, yes, I am. Let's talk about that for a minute because I know that's that's something that's pretty special. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so that just due to my upbringing that I had, I had a single mother uh, that raised both my twin brother and I. I'm a fraternal twin. Oh, wow. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that environment I grew up in is one you wouldn't want to walk your dog at night or during the day. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, uh, Section 8 housing, welfare, and uh, there was only one of two ways, which majority took, which was the not so good path, uh, which is what my brother unfortunately took and has lost his freedom due to that. And then there's the one where you make something of yourself. So that's where I got involved with the big brothers, big sisters, because the, the person that I, I do have is his name is Anthony that I'm uh, mentoring is he's in a very similar type of environment and upbringing that I had. So I just want to really give back on, on that side. Cause that's why I want to be an ideal for those individuals that, hey, you can actually do something with, with you can actually make something of your, yourself. Because during that time when I was growing up, I didn't know any better that, yeah. that I, I could have easily have been a product of my environment because that's all that you know. But if you have someone who's able to, to pull you out of that, which is what I want to be uh, ultimately, and that's one of my motivators and why's. That's, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned that you started getting into a quote there. It's one, one of my favorite movies from the departed. So you familiar with that movie? So, uh, if you haven't, it's, it's, it's a star studded event, but Leonardo it, yep. is he in that. Oh, okay. Yep. Perfect. Yep. And Jack Nicholas's character, Frank Costello says, I don't want to be a, a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Oh, all like, right. even though this is a movie man that's strong that is a, yeah, that that's is a strong quote, you know? <laughs> did you get teary-eyed when that when they said that you can't get teary-eyed in that movie uh your okay, man card will be removed but there, <laughs> it is named the departed because almost everybody in it dies so oh, okay 
yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) and it's, it's, that is not why it's one of my favorite movies. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things that I'm like, this is so deep on, on so many different levels. If it, if a Hollywood movie can be deep, but anyway, (laughs) Sterling, I've enjoyed our time, man. Um, before we hang up, how can people get best, get a hold of you? Yeah, I would say uh, holdfolio.com. So sterling at holdfolio.com is one. And that is my first name, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. Or on Bigger Pockets, I'm very active on there. All you have to do is slide into the DM, which is direct message for all of you out, uh, out there. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard anybody say slide into the DM. <laughs> well, that's what my age group tends to say. No, I, uh, no I've heard the phrase. I just oh, gotcha. don't know anybody verbally tell me that, which is how you and I connected, by the way, right? So yes, I, I can slid into the that. DM. Split into Sterling's DM and he responded. <laughs> oh god. Awesome. That's incredible. Well, man, thanks for taking the time this morning. I really appreciate it. And I hope to link up with you again very soon. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh Jay, and for those of you that are out there, don't want to go too too into the motivational uh side, but I mean, we only have so much time on this earth. So why not make something of not only yourself, but uh stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. Because uh, at the end of the day, is it, 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 you control your own destiny is what it comes down to. So Absolutely. why not go for it? Absolutely. I'm writing that down. That's going to be part of the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Sterling. All right, man. That was awesome. I could have did better, but yes, that was good. No, no, that's the way I do these things. I, I'm goofy as all get out, but I think it's re- it seemed to be resonating. Um, uh, you know, I launched this six weeks ago mm-hmm. and, um, we had a thousand downloads last week, which is one of my markers. And the next, the next goal is a thousand downloads in a day. Wow. Take me to get a while to get there, I think, but I, I thought it'd take me longer to get to a thousand downloads in a week. So we're getting there, man. We're chugging along. Would you mind doing me a favor? Yes. You don't even know what it is yet. I'll make it work. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, are you familiar with what a drop is? No, I'm not familiar. So it's it's something that's done in the radio industry when they have superstars on, they get them to say, hey, you're listening to, you know, whatever show. Could you, and I'll type this in, um, I'll type this in the chat. But it'll just help me plug the show a little bit. Because I'll grab this out of the soundbite. Um, it's base, and I, I probably could tell you're a smart guy. You probably could just remember. Say, this is Sterling White. You're listening to the W2 cap. I am going to type it out. Yeah. <laughs> this is Sterling White, and you're listening to the W2 Capitalist podcast. Is that it? That's close. Let's do oh. that. <laughs> I should have typed this up before. Now I'm just wasting your time. Oh, we're good. We'll get through it. All right. Grammatically correct or not, let me know when you're ready to go, if it makes sense. All right. Come on. Let's, uh, so I just go whenever. Whenever. This is Sterling White. You are listening to the W2 Capitalist Podcast. Now let's get to work earn, invest, and repeat.
Perfect. That's awesome, man. You ever thought about doing radio? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> that was a that was a very quick answer. <laughs> quick and confident. Well, let's uh, for sure uh, stay in touch, uh, Jay. Hopefully, you're able to get on track with that uh, that sleeping schedule or arise schedule. I'm sure you'll get it figured out. Yeah. Hey, you know one thing? I want to I want to circle back. We didn't mention what you got going on with bigger pockets. Oh, whoops. I mean, so we're still recording. So let's let's just pick it up there. So so Sterling, you have. Let me do a pause. Sterling, you've got some exciting news going on about bigger pockets or with bigger pockets that I just saw. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I have teamed up with them to deliver more content in a, a value format. So be on the lookout on uh, their official website and also my, uh, my social media pages as well uh, to where it'll be behind the scenes on acquiring multifamily, how to raise money for your deals, how to find deals, uh, all of that good stuff. So what in your social media handles are? Yeah, so uh, one is uh, it's Sterling White Official is the, the go-to. Uh, okay. And that's on my Instagram. And then my Facebook is Sterling White Fan. And I saw a, uh, I think it was a video you did the other day and you had a drone following you. Is that, was it a drone or was, did you just have some awesome camera guys with you? Awesome camera guys. Okay. Cause it looked, <laughs> cause it looked like, uh, I don't know if you've seen those, um, drones where you can wear a device and it basically follows the device. Really? Yeah. It's, um, and you can position it either front back to the side or in at an angle. Um, I used to do some whitewater kayaking. So a lot of my searches, sometimes my search, let me back up my, uh, history uh, tends to find me. So when I'm scrolling through Facebook or whatnot, it would come up and say, you know, it'll show an ad of a guy, whitewater raft or kayaking down a river. And it's got the drone following him trying. And I was like, I really want one of those, but I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is super cool. Yeah. Or that's um, replacing humans though. You would say, cause you know, well, it is, but if in the in this in the situation where um, these were, one was a mountain biking um, guy. I mean, he's basically just pedaling up, and I was like, "There's no way he's going off that cliff," and he goes off the cliff. <laughs> so it, it was like, okay, you really couldn't get that angle from somebody else unless there was another biker following you, which in that remote environment, maybe that should be the best thing to do, but. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it really, and I'll, I'll try to think of who that was and I'll send it to you just in case you're interested, but it was, it looked really cool, you know? And, and when I saw your video the other day, I was like, he's got one of those drone things that follows <laughs> How is he getting the, the microphone connected to it? You Not know, there yet. <laughs> uh, but man, we're looking forward to, to seeing that content out there and congratulations on, oh. uh, I think it's well-deserved this, you know, I've been following you for a while and, big fan of what you've been putting out so far so well deserved oh, i think it's so awesome much. and i'm looking forward to the the next book coming out 400 units 400 unit from 400 to 5000 5000 nice yes go big or go home <laughs> i love it <laughs> awesome sterling thanks again this morning man i appreciate it very much i appreciate you jay have a great one all right buddy you too